Alright, so hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Kava J's Screening Room. I'm your host Kava Jelinas. Solo episode today. Firstly, I wanted to apologize for the delay in episodes. I know we're on a bi-weekly schedule, but in final season things always get a little more complicated. Um, so I'm sorry for my absence, but I will be here. I will be here throughout the summer talking about movies, talking about the industry. Because it seems like it should be an interesting summer. Can just began a couple of days ago, so we'll see some of some of the hints at what we can expect from the fall and this summer. Um, I know Cronenberg's movie, for example, is coming out in a couple of weeks, which will definitely be covered on this podcast. Stay tuned. So the la- it's been quite a long time since the last episode. I think about a month now. There have been some things that we've missed. So I just wanted to go over a couple of things, give my quick thoughts, um, just because it's going to be a shorter episode today anyways. The solo episodes usually are. So, obviously, the big release of this past month has been Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I have recently learned throughout this past year that I'm really just out of out of tune with Marvel now. I really just don't really find any enjoyment in those movies. I keep trying. I do see them all. I do not watch the TV shows because I don't really want to spend eight hours with the superhero. Um, and just my TV show record is usually not too great. So... I think the interesting thing about Doctor Strange, obviously Sam Raimi is directing, which I thought was interesting. It went for a lot of things that didn't fully work, and I don't think that's Raimi's fault. I think the the times when it is a Raimi film, when it is a horror film, are actually quite interesting. It's everything else and this idea that everything needs to buy into this overarching formula is what really tends to anger me about these movies, and something that I think has only become more and more apparent as... It seems like everything's in limbo. They're trying to work the TV shows into things. And honestly, I mean, I've come out and said that I support Martin Scorsese's theory. I think just sitting in a crowd that is cheering for the Marvel logo is one of the most disheartening things and was just a really odd experience and something that's weirdly never happened at any Marvel movie I've been to. But that's kind of all I want to talk about for Doctor Strange. I will say Avatar Avatar The Way of Water, whatever it's called, looks awesome. I'm excited to see what they do with that. The CGI looks amazing for the first time in so long. CGI actually looks good, which is really comforting to see because you have all this technology. So when it's utilized, right, magic can happen. Obviously, I don't know much about uh, The Way of Water. I don't even remember most of what had happened during Avatar, which is a movie I'm going to need to revisit. And a movie that I feel like is weirdly... It is talked about, but not as much as I thought it would be. Like, everyone I talk to doesn't seem to remember what happens in Avatar. They just have memories of seeing it, which is the exact same for me. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll do an Avatar episode with Kayvon as we approach The Way of Water, just to do a little recap and give our thoughts looking at the CGI a couple years later. Anyway, that trailer looks amazing. Um, If you see Doctor Strange in 3D, it is only worth it, in my opinion, for that Avatar trailer. That just looks incredible. My theater gasped. Um, they're a really, really visceral crowd now that I'm talking about it on air. Yeah, this not great. Um, otherwise, it's been kind of an odd, odd time for movies. There's this May 13th weekend. There was no big releases. A couple things have come and kind of made a little too little of an impact, for the lack of a better term. Um, an example would be The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, the Nick Cage plays Nick Cage movie, which I thought was pretty fun. Um, it's really, really committed to its only bit, which I enjoyed because I think that bit is funny. And I think Pedro Pascal Loki steals the show because his portrayal is even funnier than Nick Cage's. 
And for those of you who don't know what the movie about is about, um, it's basically about like a fanboy of Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal is playing the fanboy and they get together for one weekend before it turns into like an FBI spy movie, which is kind of a basic plot and something that I think is interesting, but also kind of stereotypical for a movie that has this meta premise and so many jokes at its expense. Pedro's amazing. He plays the fanboy perfectly. Nick is great as well. It's a good time. I think it underperformed quite a bit at the box office. Kind of like a lot of things have been doing recently. The Northman is another movie I thought was absolutely astonishing. Great movie. Really enjoyed it. Really like seeing it in a theater and really being immersed in the experience. But didn't make that much money. It's already on VOD, which is really disheartening to see. But I did want to mention this because... One of the more recent episodes, because I think it was Beyonce and then Everything Everywhere. We, uh, Kayvon and I talked about Everything Everywhere all at once as it was expanding into wide release. And it seems to be just doing absolutely incredible at box office. It's having very, very minimal drops, which is just fascinating and a huge win for A24. It's also a movie that is just getting positive word of mouth all the time. I don't think there's been any like serious, serious complaints about it for what now two months or something i think it's been two months since i saw this movie and it's just incredible to see it's incredible to see that a movie can do this and it's a testament to studios if you give audiences original content that is interesting and has a lot of craft has a lot of heart has an over overarching message to tell people will see it and i don't know i'm rooting for this movie i'm really glad it's getting all the love it does i think it's on track to become the highest movie for a24 but even just this idea of seeing a 0% drop or a 6% drop when movies drop like 50 to 60% in their second weekend, especially in this IP blockbuster lack of movie star, lack of original content industry that we're currently situated in right now. It's just really comforting to see. So I would say if that's still in theaters and you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend um, exciting news. I actually wrote a piece about everything everywhere and Pixar's turning red, which are my two favorite movies of the year for film days. So if you go to kavajareviews.com, you can check that out. That's kind of the rundown of where we've been at at cinema. I can't talk too much about Cannes because it just started like two days ago. Hopefully, Kayvon and I will discuss this on the next episode when we get into year the half-year review. But to spin things up, I wanted to highlight four movies that I would like to redo. Just because Doctor Strange kind of had that, and honestly, Unbearable Way to Mess It Down, had that idea of, there's some interesting ideas here, and I think there's certain things that personally, if I was in charge of the movie, I would have changed, and I think could have helped. So this was originally meant to be a duo pod. Um, I'm going to do it solo. Basically, the way I'm describing it is honestly just how it is. Movies that I wish I could redo, or movies that I wish the studio and directors would redo. So basically, I'm going to be talking about four movies, and... I'm going to change up to three things about it, but those three things can be very, very chill. So, for example, this is not to spoil because I'll get into my movies in a second, but you can change the actors, you can change the format, the director, um, if one feels so obliged. I don't, I don't think I'm doing that for any of these movies. Um, the release style, I think, is a big one, like screaming or screaming, streaming or theatrical or... Even just pushing the date back, especially because we've been in a pandemic for two years and one of my movies especially should not have released when it did. And I think you might be able to guess from that, but we'll see. Or just, this is kind of the way of highlighting films that 
are perfectly fine, but could have been so much more films that were close to being something amazing. And they definitely do have these elements that are really, really captivating and really enjoyable, at least in my opinion, but are missing certain things that I just think kind of hold them back a little bit, which is something that I think we're, we've seen a lot these days because I feel like there have been a lot of average movies this year. Not to say there haven't been a lot of great movies because I think it has been a pretty good movie year given that we're only five and a half months into it. But these are just four movies that I wish I would redo. So the first movie, and before I start, I think two of these are really, really famous. Two of them are a little less famous. But regardless, they all need to be redone in my opinion. Again, not to say I didn't like them. I'm just gonna gonna get into it. So, my first movie, and this is the biggest soft spot for me because it is adapted from one of my favorite books of all time, is The Goldfinch. The Goldfinch did not make money, so and it did not get critically acclaimed reviews at all. It actually got the opposite. It bombed and had critical hatred. I remember seeing The Goldfinch in 2019. I had the highest expectations. This was a book that I absolutely adored. I think it's it's a huge book, but I think the idea of our connection to things and how we bring back the memory of someone through this object that we hold is so fascinating. And I think it's something that the book explores really well, even if it is kind of missing an ending, which is my biggest critique of the book. The movie, I actually didn't think was that bad. I think that there was good intentions at heart. There are certain things that are just a little baffling to me. So my first switch up would be I... I was helming this movie if I was on the production or distribution team. I would have actually turned it into a mini a miniseries instead of a film because I think a two and a half hour literary adaptation is a lot to ask of audiences, especially for people who aren't familiar with the book because a lot does happen, but it is a genuinely muted story, especially the ending because the climax kind of comes out of nowhere and it's not something you'd usually expect. And I think that that is what miniseries are made for is this slow burning portrait of a person throughout their life being upended by the things and events that happen around them i don't think you can capture that in a movie and i think that's where the movie actually ended up going wrong which brings me to my um second change is that for those who don't know about the goldfinch this is not a spoiler um the main character's name is theo and his mother and him visit the Met when he's like, I think 11 or 12 and the museum explodes killing his mother. And that's what sets his life on this trajectory. And that's what actually ties him to the Fabricius painting, the goldfinch. Um, again, this happens like 50 to a hundred pages in the book. It is the inciting incident. For some reason, the movie like tiptoes around this until the ending, which I think is the weirdest and most baffling choice to me because you're basically showing how someone is affected by an event, but you choosing not to spell out what the event actually is and just assuming that people will interpret it, I think actually mutes a lot of the emotional aspects of the story. I do like the ending of this movie. I think it's a little odd because that incident happens at the end. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I also just, I do like this movie. I did enjoy it. I've seen it twice, I believe, and I would watch it again. It's just, I understand the idea of people not liking this movie because it is so dense and there's so much happening in such a short amount of time. So a miniseries, I think, with the inciting incident being in the first episode and then basically dedicating all of these different episodes to different portions of this man's life because that's what this book is showing, basically, showing his journey from a child to an adult and how he stayed the same and how he's changed, I think would be interesting. 
my third switch is an actor switch um i actually kind of struggled trying to come up with an actor to replace the adult version of theo who's played by ansel elgort um obviously there have been a lot of allegations against ansel elgort so i don't think his role in this movie is great and i don't think his performance in this movie is very good either i don't think he has the essence of theo so my initial suggestion would be lucas hedges instead because i think lucas hedges has done obviously lucas hedges is the kid from manchester by the sea he's in ladybird he's in a lot of a24 movies actually i think he could really really capture the essence and the emotional struggle that this character goes through there's a couple more casting changes i would also make but obviously i've used all three of my um i don't even know what to call them all three of my modifications let's say so that was my first movie my second movie has one change that i think is imperative um and it is christopher nolan's tenant and as i've talked with more and more people about this movie i've realized that the hill i'm choosing to die on is professing my love for tenant i actually do really really like this movie i did not at first the first time i saw it i was baffled that it existed I thought it was over-dramatized, confusing, disinteresting, slightly obnoxious. Then I watched it with closed captioning. Really, really enjoyed it. Really liked what they were going for. And the more I think about it, the more I do enjoy it. I think that it doesn't have a message, but it's just essentially a spy movie and people doing really cool things just backwards and forwards, which I think is awesome. I think, so maybe I would change two things actually now that I'm talking about this on the air. The first would be the finale of the movie because as someone who really, really likes this movie, the finale is overlong. It's confusing. There's, for those who haven't seen it, there's forward and backwards action and actions happening at the same time, but they're all wearing the same outfit except like a single slight modification. So it makes it so difficult to understand what is happening. It also just has a really, really ugly color palette. So that would be the one main thing that I would change for the structure of the movie because I think that everything before that is absolutely incredible the opening scene that is just a siege at the opera is gripping intense i i love the soundtrack of this movie i understand that it booms over a lot of the dialogue but closed captioning makes that a lot easier and Ludwig garanson's score is incredible the performances i all enjoyed so i think the biggest thing is the release format i think releasing this in july or august 2020 was the worst option obviously because we were dead in the middle of a pandemic i mean we still kind of are but this was back in 2020 i i understand nolan's idea for wanting to bring movie theaters back and obviously he has so much leverage at the studios that he works for which back then was warner bros now he's working with universal for oppenheimer which um might have to do an instagram poll who's seeing oppenheimer and who's seeing barbie opening weekend since they're opening on the same weekend but I think the idea of bringing the theater experience back in 2020 was always a prospect that wasn't going to work. I just think based off where we were, based off the public health crisis at the time, it just was not going to work. So I actually think it made the movie even seem more open to criticism just because of all of that controversy that surrounded it. But I think a lot of criticism for Tenet was inevitable. It had so much hype. It was his first movie in three years personally since i'm suggesting this change i would have pushed it back to last summer or even this summer honestly i think that and kayvon and i will talk about this in a future episode i think that releasing not releasing this summer schedule is kind of 
not great. There's not that many big movies coming out. There weren't that many last year either, but this year I've especially noticed like there's really not. I keep seeing the same trailers over and over again. And I believe next summer is going to be a bigger summer than this summer. So I think releasing Tenet now, if they could have waited, would have been kind of a better move box office wise. I think it would have opened the route for a lot more criticism because then it would have been five years since Dunkirk. It would have been Nolan talking about this movie for two years into the pandemic, amassing all of this hype for it to release. And then it be this the super fun spy movie without the emotional aspects that people really, really like about his high concept films like Interstellar or Inception, for example. So that's the main modification I would make to it. But yeah, definitely the final scene should should have been a little different, in my opinion. Um, my third one, I don't know why I ended up picking this movie. It was not the first movie from this series I was going to pick. It is The Fate of the Furious, the eighth movie in the Fast and Furious movie. And I think I actually am quite a fan of the Fast and Furious movies, especially the latter half of the series. I think they're so rapidly entertaining and are just the weirdest stunts. I will say this new trend of Vin Diesel taking videos with the cast members, acting like he's holding them hostage is such an odd trend. Um, and I'm a little worried about what F10 is going to be because obviously Justin Lin has left the set, I believe because Vin Diesel is too difficult to work with, I think was his reasoning. So... I, I don't know what to expect from that. I was going to put F9 on this list because I'm not the biggest fan of the conclusion of F9, but I think a lot of the stuff, especially at the beginning, is really, really fun. But Fate of the Furious, I think, is my least favorite of these latter half of the Fast and Furious series movies, barring Hobbs and Shaw, which I was not the biggest fan of. I think Furious 7 is incredible. I think the stunt work is really intense. It has that emotional aspect. Obviously, it's Paul Walker's last movie, so it has that going for it as well but also just James Wan is just he knows what he's doing and it shows in F7 so I had a lot of hype going into F8 I saw the middling reviews I was like well it's a Fast and Furious movie that tends to always happen and I was just really really disappointed by this movie I watched it again in preparation for F9 about a year ago and I was disappointed in it again it just really doesn't work for me and that's why that this one has kind of a lot of changes I would make and so my first change is that I would actually include a different villain. I think Charlize Theron as Cypher is interesting. And Charlize Theron in a villain role, um, I guess as Cypher is not interesting. I correct myself. But Charlize Theron as a villain is a very interesting concept and one that I think would work. But this movie really, really needs you to know Fast and Furious canon, which is not like my area of expertise, at least. I know that. I mean, I know the general dynamics. I know it's the family. Um, but there was stuff from like, I think Fast and Furious 5 or Fast six um which obviously this shows how out of tune i am with fast and furious because i'm pronouncing not even pronouncing i'm saying all the titles incorrectly which is not fun but i think it's something that happens in those movies are brought back here the idea of turning dom into a villain is interesting but i don't think is very fun because i think the fast and furious movies are most fun when dom just won't shut up about how they're all a family um and then acts like a superhuman hero, which is one of the funniest parts of F9, if you have not seen it. Um, and I'm now bringing back repressed F9 memories as I talk about this. So I think a different villain and motivation. Um, I think the higher stakes or the final stakes should have been a little bit higher, especially if they were choosing to go with the Dom becoming a villain. Especially because him and Dwayne don't like each other. So it's pretty clear that one of them is not continuing and it's probably going to be Dwayne Johnson, at least in this canon. Um, 
So I think like having a final showdown between them would have been so fascinating and also just like the best style of ending instead of that. Uh, do I want to spoil Fast and Furious 8? I will not for those who haven't seen it, if you have not seen it. Just instead of the ending that they came up with, I think a final showdown like that would have been really interesting. Um, and I think a looser tone would have been the coolest thing for this movie because it definitely has a lot of really cool aspects. There's one scene where Jason Statham is fighting with a baby in a scene that's reminiscent of um, John Woo's Hard Boiled, which is a great action movie if anyone listening has not seen it. Um, that is awesome and is so fun and is so relaxed. And I think this movie takes itself so seriously and it's really not that serious at the end of the day. Um, and I think that idea kind of ruins a lot of the stunts. Like the there's a mid, mid-film sequence with cars just being hacked and falling out of garages, which is just not fun to watch. It's weirdly not enjoyable whereas i think furious 7 has a more let's let's just do this let's just chase cars let's jump out of planes energy and that's what makes it so entertaining is because yeah these stunts are dumb but they're so entertaining and so interesting to watch so that's what i would change about the fate of the furious um some things that i think f9 did change but i have other problems with f9 so i'm not going to get into that here but yeah, Furious 7 is the way to go for Fast and Furious, in my humble opinion. Um, so my final my final pick is kind of a pivot back into literary adaptations, which this is a little bit, I, I wouldn't say of a cheat, because I did recently find out that this actually is being adapted into a miniseries. But I wanted to include it anyway, because here's my tips, if as if anyone from the development on that show is listening Here's what I would do as someone who has read this book and really, really enjoyed this book. It is um, Never Let Me Go, which I believe is a 2011 or 2010 film by Mark Romanek, adapted from Kazuo Ishiguro's amazing novel. Um, I'm a big fan of Ishiguro's work. I think he's definitely deserving of all the praise he's received for his work. So I approach this movie with really, really high expectations because I think the book is such a fascinating concept and really... It's, it restrains itself to not being too sci-fi and highlighting the human themes of growing up and trying to find identity, um, which I really enjoyed about it. And I think the movie just kind of lost that aspect for me. There were like my first, this leads into my first change because I would stick a lot closer to the book. I think that there's, there's some things that were changed for the movie that I've talked to other people who have read the book and were like, this is a key part of this story that they just changed. Um, so I think sticking to the book is really important here, especially because Ishiguro's works are really, really dense and every moment matters so much. So avoiding that opens up kind of, avoiding those moments to say, opens up a kind of a big can of worms that you can't really avoid. So that would be the first thing I would change is I would stick more to the book, especially in the key aspects of the story that I'm not going to spoil here, but for those who have read the book, you guys definitely know. Um, I would also make it a miniseries instead of a film, which is what they're doing, thankfully. Because this is another story like The Goldfinch that tracks people throughout their entire lives and takes on kind of different facets as it explores childhood versus adulthood. And I don't think a film can capture that. Especially this is not, thankfully this is not as long as The Goldfinch. I think it's like an hour and 40 minutes or something, which is nowhere near long enough to really, really connect you to these characters and then understand their struggle, especially in that final final set of sequences. 
So I think making it a mini series can really emphasize that. Um, and then that leads to my third point, which is just a specificity on this mini series idea is that I think it should be like at least eight episodes. I know with limited series now, they tend to be four or six. Um, I think I'm not entirely sure, but I, I could see that going this route. I think FX is developing it though. And I don't know how FX really does their stuff, but I think it needs to be eight episodes. I think it needs to sink into these ideas and it really needs the space to do that without feeling too rushed because a lot of Ishiguro's books are slow burners and that's why I enjoy them so much. I think they're a fascinating rumination on people's lives falling apart and them realizing that their lives are not what they thought they were. Um, Actually, now that we're on the topic, Remains of the Day, fire movie. Uh, I think it's James Ivory, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but that's a movie that I think does work as a does work as a um, movie because I think it's contained a lot more than Never Let Me Go is. Never Let Me Go is a very expansive text. So I think a long miniseries would do this story a lot of favors. And I think if they stay accurate to this story, I'm excited to see what they do. So those are my four picks. Um, sorry, this episode's, I'm assuming, quite short because I didn't have, I couldn't change that much. I will say, I think I do, besides The Fate of the Furious, I enjoy all of these movies. I just, these were things that while I was watching them, I was like, this must be changed. And I think everyone has that. There's certain things that you just really, really wish happened in a movie. But I'm glad they exist, um, regardless of their flaws. And I think they're interesting to watch now. And I think for Never Let Me Go, especially, which I will be coming out, I'm very interested to see how they change this story because it is a very fascinating story. So I wanted to thank you guys for tuning in. I am back. I appreciate you guys for waiting. I will be here every two weeks in the summer to talk about this summer movie season that I'm a little a little worried about, but a little excited about as well. Actually, very excited about. It's a movie season. Always exciting. So I'm hoping to be back with some year um half year reviews some anticipated movie lists and really dive into what should be a pretty crazy summer of movies even if there aren't that many the things that are coming out are very very big movies and i'm excited to talk about them thank you guys for tuning in you can follow me at Jelinas on instagram or twitter or check out my reviews at cobbagereviews.com i hope you guys enjoyed the episode and i will see you in two weeks peace out <laughs>